0: How's it going? This is another episode of Film Streak, And look, if you've been listening for a minute, thank you for listening, first of all. But also, you know what the deal is. I take some time every episode and I talk about some new films that I've watched. And again, it's not always new releases. Sometimes it's stuff that's really old and really obscure. Uh, Just stuff that I never got around to watching. So here's a chance to do that. And I've watched plenty of movies over the course of my lifetime and now is a chance to really change that up broaden the horizons and uh just kind of experience some new things you know so look if you're new to film streak if this is the first time you're hearing it hey thanks for checking it out and go to filmstreak.com you can find other episodes there you can subscribe using things like apple podcasts and spotify and all those things or you can even just sign up and get new episodes directly to your inbox. Just, I just get all in your email. But that's all I send you. No spam, no junk. I just send you a new episode whenever they come out, which is usually every week. I've been doing pretty good about that. So yay, pat on my back, right? In the meantime, I want to follow up with uh, with what I've been doing the last couple of episodes and talk about some more Oscar-nominated films. And we're not going for just best film or best director. I'm just kind of hitting different categories, different nominees. And these are just films that, for one reason or another, they just look interesting. And so with that in mind, I've already talked about several in the last couple of episodes. We're going to follow up with another batch here. And then we're going to just kind of call it quits on the Oscars for this year. There are plenty of other better films that are probably out there that didn't get recognized. And sometimes that's a shame. There's some films that did come out last year that I really want to see still. And uh, I, I'd like to think just on face value that they must have gotten recognized at some point, but they didn't. And so we'll get to those later. Uh, for now, I'm just looking at what is getting at least Oscar and award attention. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know, some of these films, I, I don't necessarily like them all. I don't even necessarily think that they're worthy of awards. But there are components and there are parts of them that I do like. And I at least want to talk about that and maybe break that down some for you. So, with that said, let's get right into it. Okay, Film Streak 216, EO. Niech się spełniają twoje wszystkie marzenia. So, let me uh d- just a little background on this. This is a film from Poland. It's nominated for best international feature and uh it's uh it's directed by Jerzy Skolimowski. Um I'm doing my best, okay? I'm not familiar with Polish necessarily, but that's that's the best I can do. Sorry, guy. Um here's what I want to say about this film. Uh, Just right off the bat, it's definitely the most, uh, let's say, abstract or conceptual film of of the bunch of of the award-nominated films that I've seen so far, maybe even of the year. And what it is, essentially, it's the story of a donkey. The donkey's the main character donkey has all the scenes Uh, of course the donkey has no dialogue but it is the story of a donkey and the adventures or let's say the um the characters and the situations that he finds himself in and you know as a concept i think that's pretty intriguing i think it's uh It's certainly a novel way to tell a story about a a different perspective on mankind and the way man treats animals and the way man treats other men. While I can admire and and applaud that kind of concept, the execution and and even the uh, coherence of some of this film, it leaves, I don't know, it leaves a little something to be desired. Now, it's not to say that it's not well done. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful film. And it actually has some very poignant and tender moments in it. And as we follow Eo, as he goes from his life in a circus and being eventually the subject of, uh, I don't know, animal rights activists, he's taken away from that environment, and then he's... Basically, through a series of events, he finds himself kind of roaming the countryside. He finds himself as part of a, a, a horse ranch where he sees how the horses are treated so carefully and lovingly, and it's not the treatment that he gets. You know, there's an incident where he runs into a football or a soccer game, uh, even goes to the after party and as a part of the after-party, and even has run-ins in the middle of the night, and that's when the film starts to really become much more uh, hallucinatory and dreamlike. And yet, you know, I I get what the film is trying to do, and I, I think I understand the intention, the meaning. But there's a point here where the film just really... It almost it never makes good on the promise of what it sets out to do that's what I feel like you know there's even a point towards the end or later in the story in the film where we don't even have e o in scenes it eventually does become about the people that he crosses paths with and what those people's lives are like and that's where I feel like it all starts to come apart a little bit now maybe thematically that is more the intention of the film. But it's kind of hard to, I think, follow this character and the experience that he's having when the character's not in the scenes anymore. So, you know, with all that said, uh, it is a film about a donkey. And <laughs> if if you look at it from a filmmaking point of view, from a, a just purely technical aspect, you you understand like this is all just a trick of editing. The donkey doesn't act. The donkey doesn't have emotions. The donkey doesn't have any intention or any purpose, no motivation. It's all done through editing. And if you want to look at it in that respect, okay, the filmmaker has really done something somewhat... Magical here. By using editing and structure has put onto this donkey a, a personality or a, I guess, an emotional uh, a hook where an audience member, you can watch it and almost inject your own feeling and your own empathy into this donkey and feel for everything, all the hardship that he's facing. But it's, all you got to do is take half a step back and it's still just a donkey for all of its good intentions. And for all of the thematic things that I think it's trying to do, it's kind of, it's, it's mostly just a gimmick. That's not to say it's a badly executed gimmick, but it is still just that. And with that you know I, I just feel like this film maybe had some more opportunities that it didn't really capitalize on maybe look maybe in Poland they feel real differently about donkeys than here in the states uh, <laughs> I don't know if this were maybe a, about a dog or a more common um, a more common household animal maybe that would connect more easily. I I, I don't know. Uh, I just had kind of a hard time following and really being truly engaged with a donkey that literally shows no emotion or self-awareness or, or any kind of motivation for what is happening. So with that in mind, I guess, see it. If you're really into something that's so high concept, um, but otherwise if you're looking for something that's actually really emotionally engaging i i don't think this is it i i just can't really i can't get there with it and you know look it's being recognized as a as an effort from poland for best international film so i appreciate that um i just don't know that this would have been my pick for this category necessarily so, uh, you, look, if you want to check it out for yourself, uh, I'm sure you can probably find it streaming somewhere to rent it. Uh, Criterion channel is currently th- it's streaming there, so you can always check it out there if you subscribe to that. Um, and in the meantime, I, I think it might be okay if you just didn't happen to catch this one. I think you'll be all right. So, with that in mind, <sighs> I guess we got to keep it going. Gotta keep it moving. Next up on Film Streak, number 217, Argentina 1985. La historia no le sirve a un tipo como yo. Entonces, ¿qué hacemos? Hay que armar un equipo cuanto antes. Tenemos cinco meses para presentar prueba irrefutable contra nueve comandantes. A mí me torturaron, a mí me secuestraron. Vamos a darles a los militares lo que ellos no les dieron a sus víctimas. Un juicio justo. ¿Usted cree que va a ganar ese juicio? ¿Usted cree que las juntas hicieron lo correcto? ¿Es cierto que recibieron amenazas? Yo prefiero no darle mucha trascendencia eso. Acá se trata de lo que el país necesita: respeto y justicia. Esta es nuestra oportunidad. Quizás sea la última. Now, this is a film directed by Santiago Mitre, and this is essentially the story of a prosecutor in Argentina who is tasked with pressing charges and convicting the ousted regime under, uh, who is it, uh, Videla. And, you know, I I'm not familiar with this part of history, especially in this part of the world. And so this was actually very interesting to see this story because it's telling uh, telling i'd say rather recent history i mean this was now almost 40 years ago but something during my lifetime that i'd never heard of and so look i mean if this is a story about a change in the government a a newfound democracy in this part of the world this is important to understand the fallout of it right i think that's the important part of this film that's what it's trying to convey is that Things don't just change overnight. And even if certain people are ousted, certain things are overturned, there's still the lingering effects. There there are people who don't want to go with that, who don't believe in that, who don't want to let that go. I mean, we've seen it here in the United States just two years ago that one administration is, is voted out or for whatever reason is no longer in power. Well there are some people who don't agree with that and will do and go to sometimes extreme lengths to keep that from happening. And so here we we have a little bit of a uh a little bit of a parallel in in terms of what happened in this part of the world in the mid 80s. And so when you have our character here Julio who is this is his goal is he has to bring charges uh, against the administration, the the military officials and authorities that were accused and uh, charged with abducting and abusing and torturing civilians. And in their reasoning at the time, it was to prevent uh, let's say uh, rebellion or uh, terrorism But it's very clearly an abuse of power. And this story basically takes it from the approach of, look, if we're trying to have a better society, a better world, a better life for ourselves and for our families, we have to acknowledge some of the bad things that have been done. And we have to hold those people that did those things accountable. And you see different characters here struggle with that, whether it's, coming to terms with, okay, how do we do this? And what danger are we going to be in by trying to do this? And then also just piecing together the clues, making the case. And so the story, as it plays out throughout the film, it is about, it's it's a little bit procedural in terms of the the prosecutor, He nobody wants to work with him because they're all afraid of whatever ramifications might come. So he has to look for people to help him. So he enlists students, uh, basically kids, college students to be his assistants, be his legal team. And so they have to do their own investigations. They have to look for, uh, information, do research. They have to start piecing this case together. And part of it is some people don't want to talk. Some people don't want to go on the record and, um, when he finally is able to get enough wind in his sails, uh, it all crystallizes in this moment where there's a trial. And now it does become a little bit of a courtroom drama. But when the witnesses start to testify, that's when this thing takes on a whole different light, I think. I mean, we, we hear in detail the, the horrors that people were subjected to the the story that that we're getting here is not that all oh, bad things happen when people abuse power it's it, the story i think is that this kind of thing happens because people can let fear get in their way and it's only through courage and through uh persistence and 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 really the that pursuit of justice Uh, That's where it takes a a very strong-willed type of person or or type of people to change that. And so here we get a really, uh, I think, a really compelling case of that. And, you know, the only thing I would say about this film that doesn't quite take it to that next level, I think, is that as much as, as the real-life incident and the real-life events that this film is portraying as, as hard to accept as they probably were and are still, uh, I think this film goes, it, it treads a little lightly. And, 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 and I can't really put a finger on it, but I just feel like um, the characters seem to be afraid and seem to be hesitant to do this, to take on this case. And yet we never really quite get a sense of the danger. And, you know, I'm sure to to portray something like that, if it didn't happen, if it wasn't really a part of this situation, that might be like over-dramatizing it, right? But there's something about it where you want to get a real sense that these characters have put their entire lives in jeopardy and it's said a lot but it's not shown a lot and you know that's uh, that's maybe a minor quibble you know that's that's something that maybe it's just a matter of personal taste whether you choose to really believe or understand how dangerous this whole endeavor was or if you at least understand that these people took a chance they they just risked everything about their livelihoods, and their families, and even their their society by doing this. So with that in mind, this is a recommendation. It is an important story that I think people should know about, and I think the film is well done, and it conveys all of the points and all of the elements that you want to know to really understand this. Now, whether you really are gripped by it and enthralled by it, or if it's just a little more of like, oh, a great informative narrative rendition of this story, well, um, that may be up to you. If you want to check that out, that is available on Amazon Prime. I think that's uh, an Amazon exclusive, actually. So take a look at that. That is Argentina, 1985. All right, here we go. We're getting into some big business now. This is where the privilege shows itself. It's Film Streak 218, Triangle of Sadness. So, is this runway casting for a grumpy brand or a smiley brand? So it's a grumpy brand, yeah. Congratulations! Show me that Balenciaga look. Suddenly I'm dressed in something way less expensive. It's h m Yay! Balenciaga! And h H&M. Balenciaga! And h H&M. It looks paid for the tickets. Not bad, huh? So <laughs> what do you do? I sell shit. The success of a luxury cruise mainly depends on you. I don't want to hear anybody saying no always yes sir yes ma'am i command you enjoy the moment no 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 <laughs> what you say no to me no no oh, so it's yes N- yeah no yes Oh, in yes <laughs> the sails. do you think it's possible to wash them I think that's possible, ma'am, because this is a motorized vessel. Yeah. So we don't have any sails. It will sail. Yes. Well then, in that case, we will clean the sails. Yes. Of course. Yes. sweet love. To love. That no. No. Love. A Russian capitalist and an American <laughs> communist on oh. a two hundred and fifty million dollar luxury yacht. The ship is going under. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. This is really bad. This is really, really bad. All right. So, look, um, if you haven't heard of this film by now, uh, this is from writer and director Ruben Ostlund, and uh, this is a wild film. And, I mean, it takes pokes and jabs at everybody. It's certainly the most polished and most... Um, it's It's got the sharpest blade on it. And it cuts deep. And... Look, this is a film that is about the lives of the privileged and how when the tables get turned, uh, maybe the less privileged, they have opportunities to take over and show them what it's all about. So the film starts with a young couple, Carl and Yaya. They are essentially young models that are... uh, They're not exactly high society, but they roll in those circles. And while Yaya seems to have more success with it, being on the runway and being much more fashionable and uh, kind of going for the Instagram influencer business, uh, Carl is a little more grounded, a little more down to earth, maybe even a little more broke. And so he's, he's feeling the struggle a little more, right? He's a little more of our uh, way into the film as an audience. So when we see the way that they deal with each other, the way they almost manipulate each other, and yet Carl seems to really eventually just always go along with things. uh, Part of it is maybe even a, a commentary on how, you know, I talked about this in a previous episode. I think it was about The Menu, which actually is a pretty similar type of film where in certain situations, if you are not prepared or if you're not, uh, if you're not strong enough or capable enough, when something comes your way that is a curveball, whether it's uh, some sort of uh, violence or some sort of adversity some sort of struggle. There's a very high possibility that uh, that uh, you'll just go along with it. You won't know what to do. Even if you have a better frame of mind to, to, to make a good decision, if you're caught in the moment, unaware, eh, you might just go with whatever happens. And here in this film, there is a little bit of that. Actually, there's a lot of that. Uh, because even though we see Carl and Yaya kind of making their way through uh, the fashion world at the beginning of the film, there is a point where they are, are are basically given tickets, if I remember right. They're given tickets to get on this yacht, on this cruise, and there they see that they're way out of the league. The other people on the boat are much more uh, wealthy and much more privileged and spoiled. And while they probably have better sense than to act the way these people do, they kind of go along with it. They kind of go for the ride. And it's only after a a nightmarish dinner where (laughs) everybody, almost everybody, gets entirely sick, from the food or seasickness. I can't tell which, maybe it's all of the above. Then the the ship ends up being attacked by pirates. And then the ship goes down and then only a few survivors are left and they end up on an Island and they they're hungry. They're lost. They don't know how to survive. And the one person who does manage to make some kind of hay out of it is Abigail, who is, uh, If I remember right, she's like a a, a toilet cleaner or, or something on the boat. Some menial job that nobody pays attention to. Well, all of a sudden here, because she's resourceful, because she's hardy, because she's strong, she's the one that figures it out. She makes the fire. She hunts and cooks the food. And it really turns the table. And now... We see these privileged, wealthy, spoiled people become little children who have to depend on this woman that they look down on. And now you could say all of these different scenarios, maybe these are what formed the triangle of sadness, right? The fact that these people, whether they're in the world of fashion or they're cruising on a yacht, or they're shipwrecked on an island somewhere, the fact that they all just can't seem to survive on their own, I guess maybe that's the triangle of sadness. Am I reading that right? I mean, that's what it feels like to me. And so when you see someone rise up and take over and really, really change the dynamic, uh, I, I mean, I think that's, maybe that's the overall theme here, is be careful. You know, you got money, cool. You got resources, cool. You got power, cool. But what happens the day that that all goes away? And not only what happens, but what happens the day that that is possibly going to come back? When Abigail sees a, a, a moment where she may suddenly lose her newfound power, what does she do? What is she going to do? And what can she get away with? You know, maybe that's part of it is, is power is corrupting and, uh, and nobody's immune to it. And look, I mean, for all of those kind of big idea, you know, heady concepts, uh, this film is still pretty hilarious, but it's, it's a real dark biting humor. If, if you're not really down for that kind of comedy, let's say, you might find that this is just really off-putting or it maybe doesn't even make sense, you know, but, uh, Oh, it's a good time. It's a good time laughing at these rich people uh, just totally taking a stiff one, you know? So it's a recommendation for me. If you're familiar with any of Ruben Oslin's work, uh, Force Majeure, I remember seeing that a long time ago and thinking this is a really unique story and an approach to this kind of film uh, with these kinds of characters. Uh, The Square is one that I I still have on my list. I'm going to get to it. Um, But I understand that that is maybe a similar vibe, kind of poking fun at uh, uh, society uh, or high society and the overprivileged and overcultured among us. So I I look forward to that. But in the meantime, look, this is definitely a a pretty strong film um, in, in several ways. So I recommend this one for sure. Uh, I think this is currently available on Hulu. Uh, you might be able to rent it uh, streaming everywhere else, but uh, but check this one out for sure. That's Triangle of Sadness. All right, so one more for this episode. This is one that I'm really excited about, and you know what? Let's just get to it. Film Streak 219: The Fablemans. Once there was a way. Most of my movies have been a reflection. Of things that happened to Get me. Back home. But in the sense of the Fablemans, it wasn't about metaphor, it was about memory. Once there was a way. Sorry I'm late, I picked up Mrs. Fableman. Where should I put her? Back home, sleep pretty darling, do not cry. And I will sing a lullaby. What kind of movie are you gonna make? more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Now there's been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! I don't know what else to do. Can you help me? Disappoint you? You do what your heart says you have to. Because you don't owe anyone your life. The Fablemans, rated PG-13, in theaters and at home now. So, look, this is, a, this is a film written and directed by Steven Spielberg, and that doesn't happen very often where he writes his own films. But... I think the important thing, as you just heard there, is this is very much a, a, an autobiographical telling of his childhood. And the reason I was excited about this film is because, I mean, Spielberg really is one of our most legendary living filmmakers. Um I mean, his run of films going all the way back to the 70s is... Incomparable. I mean, who else holds a candle to that? And not only in terms of box office, but even in terms of range and the subject matter that he's that he's told stories about. You know, you could say ET and and Aliens, or uh, you could say Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you know, serial adventures, or you could say Schindler's List and uh, Holocaust and so many of those things, they're almost synonymous. You say Jurassic Park, what do you think? Dinosaurs. There's so many films that he's made that have become almost placeholders for the real thing that they are about. And to me, that's up there. That's, that's the Mount Olympus. You, know, you can make art that is that, not only that popular and lasting, you know, it it stands the test of time, but it's also so well done, so well crafted. That's pretty unusual in my book. And so here to see Steven Spielberg really look inward and take on a story about himself and his childhood, that's where I feel like that's the Achilles heel here. That's the thing that could either make this thing work or make this thing just come apart. And it's a gamble. It's a risk. I mean, with any filmmaker, uh, you know, anything that, uh, any creative person, really, anytime you make something, you put a little bit of yourself into it, right? A little bit of your imagination, a little bit of your heart, and you want it to be appreciated. You want it to be acknowledged. And you want it to be understood on some level. And for Steven Spielberg to make a film like this, when so many of his films have hit and hits so big uh, this is really um, it's a big swing in, in a strange way, like this is maybe one of his biggest swings ever. So with all that in mind, I was very interested and excited to see what this film was going to be. And, you know, I don't, I, I can't necessarily relate to this time in history or this way of life You know, I was never a I was never a young Jewish boy Living in Arizona in the 60s I didn't understand what that was really like But I still understood some of the dreams And some of the adversity that he was faced with As a young boy, as a young man You know, my parents were divorced When I was very young Much younger than Sammy in this story But... <laughs> But Sammy here really goes through a lot of emotional struggle that isn't so much on the surface, but it is there. And and as someone who has gone through a similar type of uh, uh, family dynamic, I can see that. And I think even in Spielberg's films, I've recognized those elements, that some of his stories when there were families and the focus was on the children, the parents seemed to be a little bit in the background only because the, the children, the the young characters, they were almost uh, confused and maybe even oblivious to the things that adults have to go through. And, you know, that's maybe just maybe Spielberg's way of telling the stories that he's told, by focusing on that point of view versus the adult point of view, the adult side of the equation. And there are some films where you can see that adults really have hard times and they are troubled and they struggle. I mean, even something like Jurassic Park. The kids are the way into the film. As much as we start with the adult characters, the adults really seem at odds with the whole thing, the whole time. The kids are the ones that are into it, and they're excited, and they're confused, and they're scared, and they're all a part of the adventure. The adults are the ones that are sometimes conflicted about it, and uh, they, they don't necessarily know how to handle themselves. And that's always been my read on it, at least. And so I feel like that is part of Spielberg's uh, overall sensibility. Here, same thing. I mean, really, I I think this is at least, this is pointing us back to the source, right? This is pointing us back to how it all began. And whether it's young Sammy and his family and the struggles that start to happen when he's growing up, he's learning about how films are made and how he can make his own films. And he's just a kid, just plain plain make-believe, really with his sisters, with his friends, and trying to imagine things, imagine stories, imagine adventures that are not a part of his life. And yet in the background, we see the adults, there's something else going on. His parents, their friends, their family, there's other, uh, there is something else there that the kids are just oblivious to. And, you know, there are a couple of points in this film that I think are really touching and really, uh, they really kind of hit a nerve. You know, when you look at the dynamic between his mother and his father and how they are so much, like, uh, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of, you know, it's even said in the film, in this house, it's scientists versus artists, and... Left brain versus right brain, you know, logical versus um, free thinking. And we see that. We see it illustrated directly. His father is a very reasonable and logical-minded, smart, intelligent person. And meanwhile, his mother is portrayed as very uh, intuitive and very emotional and very warm and not to say that that's a bad thing, but it, it it can cross ways, right? They can both cross ways. His father is a little too, uh, maybe a little too constricted in his thinking or his mindset about what Sammy is really capable of and what the world will accept. And so Sammy takes it upon himself to really try to prove those things wrong, or at least find his own way, whether it's with his filmmaking, you know, which he, he continues to insist, like, it's not just a hobby, it's something he really cares about. And, uh, you know, I think that's true for all parents and all children is that parents aren't necessarily going to see the, the passion that a child, their child might have for something. At the same time, a a child, whether they're passionate about it or they just really are into something, they're going to always struggle with getting maybe their parents to really understand it, to feel it. And so here, I think this film at least tries to paint that picture, that this idea of living in a family that embraces creativity, but also embraces accountability and responsibility, those things don't really work so well. They don't always meld together. And Sammy here, and by proxy, Steven Spielberg himself, I guess, had to find a way to balance those things. And in doing so, became incredibly successful, right? Proof is right there in the pudding. But it does come at a cost. And what cost is that? Well, as the story is told here, it's Sammy's hobby of filmmaking that leads him to a discovery about his family, about his parents, that is painful, and it's uh, it's hard to accept, it's hard to keep it a secret, and ultimately, it, he he can't anymore. It, it becomes a thing that's too much to contain, that his mother, now I don't know how accurate this is to real life, I, I understand there is some truth to it, but his mother had at least a a an interest in his father's best friend and maybe not necessarily a romantic relationship but just had a a a deeper relationship than she had with his own father and that's really that's got to be really hard and really challenging for for a child to try and comprehend that and and then As his parents kind of grow apart and this whole thing eats away at the family, they get divorced. Well, then it really becomes an issue of uh, there's no no easy way to get through that. Divorce is just, it's painful all around. And so if there's anything I have about this film that really kind of takes me out of the film is that in the earlier scenes, I, I mean, I would even say really like the first half of the movie as we're introduced to the family and as we're introduced to young Sammy and his first kind of run in with film and going to the movies and learning about cameras and stuff, you know, that whole part of his life that's portrayed here, everything about it just feels so uh, kind of artificial. It just feels fake. And part of me thinks that must be intentional that maybe this is spielberg using his own rose-colored glasses to conjure up these these visions of his childhood you know very um very lighthearted or at least seemingly lighthearted but still artificial like there's something empty about it and i don't know if that's on purpose or not i feel like it must be cuz a filmmaker like Spielberg, I I just can't see him missing shots like this. This has got to be on purpose. But yet at the same time, it's just enough to take me out of some scenes and some moments where I just, these people don't feel like real people. They feel like what they call like automatons or something. The acting feels fake. The dialogue feels fake. Even some of the, the camera work and the lighting just feels too movie-like, too polished. And if the whole film were like that, I would say, oh, we have a problem here. This film is really, uh, this film is just really not working. But as the film goes on, things do change. As Sammy grows up and we see him older and getting into high school and how he's really not just continuing filmmaking, but he's learning things about him, about himself, about his family about people that he goes to school with and confronting things like racism and girls and trying to find a way to fit in. Uh, I think that's where we see the Spielberg that I think we're all more familiar with, where he starts to come out. Where we see someone who's willing to kind of go there and show us that life isn't all... uh, you know, puppy dogs and rainbows. Uh, it, it does have edge to it, and it does have pain in it. And uh, here's where here's where I would really come back and say now, I think the cast, the young cast in this film, are just are are hitting on all cylinders. I mean, there's no none of the kids in this film feel on inauthentic. Even young Sammy. I think he's very kind of wide-eyed and open and just like a child should be. And older Sammy, played by Gabriel Lebel, he's, um he's much more thoughtful and at least sincere and earnest about what he's trying to do. And so that I can appreciate. I mean, I really feel like the young cast in this film does better work than... All the adults. I mean, I think, I think Judd Hirsch is nominated for best supporting actor for this, and he's only in really one part of the film. Seth Rogen uh, is in maybe the first half of the film, but even then, it feels like a guy playing a Seth Rogen like character. It doesn't really feel like him. And Paul Dano, I think Paul Dano still turns in his. I don't want to say typical, but his uh, signature understated natural performance, even though there are moments where it feels a little too like father's knows best or whatever that show was from the sixties. I don't know. Michelle Williams probably has the most work to do here and the depths that her character has to go through by hiding the secret and dealing with the, the fallout of it and and maybe even just struggling to understand how this is affecting her family. I think that's maybe the the best adult performance in this film. Even more than that, even more than performances and the writing and the directing. I, I, I like that this film is at least asking some pretty big, some pretty important questions. I mean, if you really stop and, and think about it, it's not just about a kid who likes films and wants to grow up to be a filmmaker one day and his family's got all kinds of weird problems. I think it's asking bigger questions than that. I think it's, it's putting up the debate. It's opening the conversation about when you're in a family, whether you're married or you have kids, what do you give up? What do you sacrifice? What do you let go of? in that life? And conversely, what things do you hold on to? And what things are you precious about? And what things do you cherish? Whether it's your wife or your husband, or whether it's your kids, whether it's your home, you know, the, the town that you live in, your, your friends, your family, where do you draw the line? If you draw a line, maybe you don't. And here, because these characters all, in their own way, have to confront those decisions, I, I really feel like that's maybe the deeper questions that this film is, is posing. And, I, you know, there are no easy answers, and everybody has their own set of answers to those questions. But at least this... this uh, if anything, if it makes you think about it, pose the question to yourself, because, I mean if we're looking at it in through the lens of this film as parents, as adults, do we really know what our kids understand about what we do? You know, I think about that. I mean, I'm a parent and my kids are grown pretty much, but over the years I've wondered like, uh, you know, I have to do certain things to take care of my family and to provide and all that stuff. And Maybe I don't always make the right decisions, but I make the best decisions I can. And in that moment, or even years down the line, you know, years from now, will my kids understand that? Will they understand the decision I made or the decision I didn't make, right? And conversely, you know, I I even think as a son, it's like, do I understand the decisions my parents made? Do I really know them? Do I really know all their secrets? Probably not. And that's okay. But the fact that we all have those things, I I, I think that's an important part to take away. Maybe not from this film, but in from life in general is the people around you, the people in your life, they're just as fully fleshed out and, They can hurt just as much and they can enjoy life just as much as you can. And it's hard when it's your family, the thing that you find stability in, the thing that you find comfort in, that you find love in. When that comes apart, it's a painful thing and it's traumatizing. And sometimes it's in very subtle ways. But it can be that, and so you know. I look. Maybe it's because uh, this is just the life, or or a similar life that I had. So this is it's just setting off all kinds of alarms for me. You know, I really feel a little bit of a, 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 a kinship to young Sammy here, and I guess by way of you know reality, uh, a young Steven Spielberg. But the point is that. I understand the emotional toll that that can take on you and how it can live with you. And in a way, you have to find a way to live with it as just part of your life. And so I don't know if that's all in the film or if that's just me projecting a lot onto the film. Maybe I'm saying more about myself, you know, but at least on those terms, I can appreciate the intention here. I don't know that the film is perfect. I don't think I would say that, really. It's not the strongest Spielberg film I've seen in a while. But it does have some important thematic, emotional notes that I really related to. And so with that in mind, it's a recommendation. And you know what? Even if, look, you get through this whole film... And you get to the very end where David Lynch shows up as John Ford, the legendary Hollywood Western filmmaker. And he imparts one very important, very succinct piece of filmmaking advice. And then you see it actually used to effect. It might just be worth it. So with that in mind, a recommendation. Okay. That's the Fablemans. All right. So look, that was a great episode. I think I've got my fill of Oscar nominated films for this year. Uh, I'll be looking at some more films coming up soon that uh, maybe should have gotten some recognition, maybe should have gotten some award nominations. Uh, but in the meantime, hey, look, if you like what you heard here, or maybe you disagree. Maybe you didn't like these films. Maybe you really love this donkey movie. I don't know. Uh, Go to filmstreak.com. You can leave a comment there with this episode. You can even email uh, your thoughts or your comments, whatever, to comments at filmstreak.com. You can also, of course, go there to subscribe. You can listen to some other episodes. You can even sign up to get them by email. I, I'm trying to make it easy for you you know it's how how much easier can it get so look in the meantime there's a couple of interesting things I'd like to think are coming up in the in the next episode or two but until then uh that's really all I can say so let's go watch some more new movies